The Teach Middle East podcast is brought to you by Schoolfinder.ae. Schoolfinder.ae is a comprehensive schools directory serving the United Arab Emirates. Is your school a member? Go to Schoolfinder.ae to find out more. Now, enjoy this episode. everyone and welcome to the Teach Middle East podcast. My name is Lisa Grace. Today I have with me Darlene Kuskinen and she is a movement specialist. She's a Zimbabwean living in Finland. She has been running her own business as the CEO of Move Kids. It's an online program that focuses on the physical development of young children, which is absolutely vital in these times. She runs her own teaching business. She teaches karate to children and to adults as well. And her mission is to get both adults and kids up and moving. You are listening to the Teach Middle East podcast, connecting, developing, and empowering educators. So welcome, Darlene. Hi, it's nice to be here. Thanks for having me. I am very excited to have you because I've never sat so much in my life since the start of this pandemic. So I'm very happy to talk about movement. If it's even to talk about, it makes me feel a little bit better. I wanted to jump straight in and find out from you, what do you think this period has done to young kids? How has it affected them being so sedentary? Yes, big subject. You know, I think it's definitely had a negative effect. Children very quickly adapt and they've really got used to being a lot more in front of screens, which is not always their fault because the schooling has to be directed that way. So I think they've really got used to sitting a lot. So I think that their all-round physical health has deteriorated and they've become lazier. And, you know, I do teach karate. I'm teaching children and adults every day. And I think that once children are used to not moving and not having to exert themselves physically, they become lazy and more difficult to inspire to actually move. And I think it's now really going to be more and more challenging for teachers and parents to inspire their children to move. It's going to take a lot more effort. So when we look at the fact that they're becoming lazy, what do you think are some of the long-term effects of this laziness that's going on? I think especially for the younger children, it's in the early years that the children should be doing a wide variety of movement because that's when, you know, 85% of the brain is optimized for learning under the age of six and seven. So that is a crucial time for movement. And these younger children have had to be at home. So I think academically, physically, and on just their all-round well-being is being affected by that. What have you noticed like, around you? Are you seeing that children are choosing not to get up and move as much, even when they're not in school or on their tablets? Absolutely. And I think children are sadly very much used to a screen and the gratification they get from all the games they play. And I really hate to say this, but I think a lot of children, they expect gratification in every area. You know, they're always wanting a reward. If I behave, will I get this? If I go and do that gym class, will I get that? 
And I think that's a very negative way for children to be brought up, but I think it's very much a way of society these days. And I think that you know, the parents have to, as I said earlier, just work harder at inspiring their children to move. I have noticed in the children I teach that the muscle tone in children is very poor. Their stamina, you know, if they're doing an exercise where the muscles are starting to get tired or they're hurting, they're like, oh, I want to stop. I don't want to do this. You know, so they don't sort of realize that movement does mean you exert yourself and you you might be a little bit uncomfortable. And it's like children have never experienced this discomfort. And that's, that's quite worrying. And I think, you know, even I've noticed children's lack of flexibility in their feet, their core strength is weak. You know, crossing the midline is becoming more and more of, of a problem. And, you know, I started teaching children here in Finland 10 years ago, but I've noticed That in the last couple of years, you know, before when I took on a group of 10 children between the age of five and eight, two of them would be struggling in one way or another. But now at least five or six out of 10 of that group have got problems, either to concentrate or their coordination is extremely poor or they just struggle to follow instructions. So I think more and more children are showing that they have difficulty in this physical realm. And, you know, children long ago, became coordinated naturally. But due to sedentary lifestyle and so much time spent on screens and just less movement all around, you know, I think that children's well-being is very much at risk. And if structured movement and more emphasis is not put on movement in schools, especially in the early years, you know, I really think it's just going to lead to many, many problems for children when they start school going age, you know, when they start going to school and trying to learn that lack of physical development and exposure to movement in the early years is going to have a big effect. And in later years, it's after the age of seven, you know, the brain doesn't adapt so quickly. Whereas in the early years, you know, every movement, every tactile, central experience neural pathways are being created in the brain. And the more they repeat these experiences, the more defined those pathways become. You know, I think that for brain development, movement is crucial. Yeah, I'm completely in agreement with you. I'm wondering, though, in terms of the amount of movement, we know we've really declined dramatically over the last maybe year, year and a half. Let's put an age bracket there. Let's say children between the ages of three to maybe eight years. Like how much movement do they need in their day to really be classified as having had enough? Uh, That's quite a broad question because I think, you know, kids do get outdoor playground time. But I think because kids are moving so little, I think that children are sort of needing more meaningful movement in their days. And I think that every day the children should be doing some form of meaningful movement, at least half an hour a day under the age of eight. And when I say meaningful movement, I'm meaning, you know, lots of fun activities using balls, beanbags, hoops, ropes, you know, activities where they are having to be creative themselves or they're moving in different directions, learning spatial awareness, improving their manipulative skills locomotive movement they need to be doing more skill focused movement in order to progress physically and academically so a lot of kids are still at home their parents have chosen to do distance learning as a result of the the global pandemic and the parents aren't as au fait with what structured 
movement should look like. Can you offer any tips or quick strategies that they could just do maybe on the daily basis with their young children? Yeah, lots. I think, you know, it's very important to sort of facilitate the movement by having equipment that is suitable. So by having different size balls, for example, or even a rope without handles that they can tie onto thing or lie it on the floor and do jumps over or for skipping with the rope. You know, it's very important for children to be able to aim. So to have a box that they can throw the ball into from different distances, for example, or put a sticker on the wall and throw a ball at the wall and then catch it on the rebound. I mean, quite a tricky skill, but a very important one because there's so many beneficial things that they gain from doing that skill but you know things like bouncing a ball even simple throw and catch you know I find a lot of kids come to me now and they really don't know how to catch a ball and it's the responsibility of the adults to inspire children to move kids are not doing it naturally so much anymore you know they would much rather be sitting with some exciting screen in front of them so they're not going to do it on their own. And it's, it's up to adults, teachers, parents to suggest movement with enthusiasm, you yeah. know, and energy and for parents to move with their children. And there, right. there's many bonuses with that because, you know, as adults, we too need to look after ourselves and have healthy bodies. So, you know, to actually get outside, move with the children, climb up the stairs, don't use the lift, don't put the child in the pram, make them walk. You know, yeah. make them run, do different kinds of animal movements. I was just thinking of how hot it is here. And when you started mm. to suggest activity, I thought, could you throw some in there that we can do indoors? Because we can't be outside for the majority of the daytime here in the Middle East because of how hot it is. What can we do yeah, indoors? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think building obstacle courses is great. So the children will love to suggest ideas that the parent can make sure it's safe. But, you know, just using the dining room chairs, for example, you can make a tunnel, right? And then they can crawl through that tunnel, put four chairs in a row. They can go through with head first, feet first, on their back, on their tummy. You know, there's so many ways you can even just crawl through a simple tunnel. Or climbing over a chair, under a chair, over a chair, under a chair. And just using tape that can be easily removed off the floor to mark pathways. So along that line, they walk on tippy toes. Along that line, they jump over. You know, jumping off the sofa to land on their feet. So children need to be jumping from different heights and learning to balance as they land on their feet. So there is movement to be done in the home as well like that. But unfortunately, it requires the parent to supervise and to inspire them to do it. So when you yeah. think about it in terms of parents inspiring their young ones to move, how can the parents themselves ensure they're getting enough movement? Because now I'm wondering, am I getting enough movement? Even though I'm pretty fit, I run. But <laughs> how can we ensure that we're getting enough movement? Yeah, I mean, of course, it depends on the size of your home, right? <laughs> but, you know, I think if you sort of find some yoga classes that you can do together with your child, for example, or, you know, have some fun ideas where the children are suggesting movements and create your own little routine that you do every day. So your child might suggest star jumps and you suggest running on the spot for the count of 10. And then your child might say, let's do the splits for the count of 10. And the parents do that too, you know. So just trying to, you know, inspire children to be creative with movement, 
you know, they might be able to jump like a frog down the hallway and you can do something different. You know, it's just, you have to be creative and look for ideas or find an online resource with movement ideas. So, you know, things like that. And I think some ball skills can be done inside as well. So push the furniture back, make a safe area, put on some music, dance with your children, you know, let them crawl through your legs. Yeah, I try, (laughs) but those are some good ideas. I'm going to, when I listen back to this, I'll try to see how many of them I can implement. I like the one with setting up the dining table chairs and maybe I can have my kids go in and out and through like a little tunnel and, and create movement. But let's take it from the home to the school now, because schools are saying that, oh my gosh, the students have missed so much academically. But I don't hear too many schools talking about what students have missed physically. And so I don't know how, but probably you can tell me how schools can create an environment for movement that's going to help to bridge that gap of all that movement that was missed. What are some things that schools can do? Yes. Mm. (laughs) Well, I think I will start with the early years because that's certainly, you know, my area of expertise and my passion because that is when children need to be doing a lot of movement. But, you know, for example, morning circle. So, you know, every day the children have morning circle. There's so many different flexibility exercises or yoga moves you can do within that circle. Or, you know, even if the teacher stood in the middle with a ball and threw to every child, as she called the register, you know, just going around in the circle. And instead of the kids just saying yes or here when their name is called, they could be doing a jumping jack or turning around and sitting down or acting like a frog and hopping around the circle, you know, just trying to get children moving at every opportunity. So morning circle playground perfect opportunity to do some movement. So instead of the children playing outside, for example, for the full 45 minutes, take 15 minutes of that and do a constructive outdoor activity. For example, relay races. You know, just for 15 minutes, do something outdoors with them where they all can be involved and it's structured. And then you just say one teacher has a turn for the whole week to think of something structured. Just delegate some of that outdoor time for a structured movement activity. And hopefully every kindergarten does have some handheld equipment. So balls, beanbags, hoops, ropes, you know, that's what I have in my program. I find it's very suitable kindergarten equipment and there's a wide variety of activities to be done in small spaces. So, you know, I think the teachers have to be resourceful and also find ideas. What do you say to schools that are pushing the academic to the detriment of the physical development of the students and their levels of activity? Yeah, I think it's a very sad thing because movement should come first. So even when a baby is in the womb, it's moving first. It's That's where the development starts with movement. And it's the same, you know, when their baby's learning to crawl and so they progress. So if they don't have this continuous exposure to movement, that is where the academic ability stems from. So all of those movement experiences are supporting academic development. But sadly, a lot of children are straight into the academic world and then they're having problems later in life with with self-regulation. And through movement, so much is learned. It's not just about getting coordinated. The children are learning compassion, turn-taking, patience that they have to repeat to achieve 
you know, that they need to work as a team to achieve something special with a whole group. There's so much you learn from movement. So it's not just learning physical skills. And not only that, children need to be starting school at age seven, eight, or whatever age it is in different countries, but they need to be starting with physical self-confidence. So that means that they're willing to go and join in any kind of new hobby or activity that they are offered or have the opportunity to go and join other children to play a game. If they lack physical self-confidence and they know they're clumsy and maybe a little bit you know, overweight and then they, they're too shy and then they don't join in, that all just affects them socially. Right. You know, and then they just never really integrate and and develop as they should. So I think the emphasis on physical ability should really be evident in the early years. And then later comes the learning. So through movement, all else should then come. Right. I know we talked about the fact that children are spending a lot of time on screens, but it is the nature of where we are and it is what we have to deal with. But how can a program like Move Kids, which is developed online, on a platform, be helpful in getting children to move? Okay, yes. I mean, that's a very good question. And what I have done, you know, to make the most of that sort of online aspect is with all of the videos that are the activity videos in my program, I have a child-directed narration. So I have a video with two narrations. So one for the teacher or the parent that is listening and watching the activity, and then they can very clearly see what the activity looks like and how to manage the child, how to manage the equipment. But then I have a narration for children. So parents or teachers can sit the children down, show them the screen and say, look what these children are going to do because you're going to do it afterwards. And then they hear me saying, wow, look what we're going to do with the hoop. We're going to be holding it like this and we're going to flip it over our heads. So I'm speaking directly to the children, inspiring them to move well and to have fun while doing so. And at the same time, they're hearing my inspirational voice, but they're also watching other children having fun doing the activity. So, you know, kids love watching videos and they love watching other children do anything, right? So, you know, I've sort of tried to make the most of this angle of tech (laughs) and I've created videos that I hope the children will really enjoy watching and they will then be eager to do the movements themselves. Yeah, I actually think the fact that it's accessible online gives it that universality because people can be doing it at home or it can be done in school. And especially now with social distancing, if each child is still following the same instructions but is able to be socially distanced, it's an advantage. What's one of your favourite activities that kids can do just to get warmed up to start the learning in the mornings? My favorite, favorite that I do, doesn't matter what I'm teaching or what age I'm teaching, it's it's just do this, do that. You know, Simple Simon says do this and Simple Simon says do that. Do you know that game? Yeah. And it's a fantastic learning tool for language, for focus, concentration. And, you know, it really surprises me, the kids that really end up being the winner of that game if you decide to have a winner. So, for example, I will say do this do this, do this. And as soon as I say do that, 
they're not allowed to do it. So I'm trying to trick them. So they really have to focus and listen and copy all of my movements. And I use this even for teaching karate, do this, do this, do this. And I've never seen such good karate when we're doing that game because they're copying every move I make. But the children really benefit hugely because they're doing physical movement while having a game and having a great deal of fun. And they're all trying really hard not to make a mistake. So, you know, I think the whole fun element of movement is crucial even more now than ever before because children need to be inspired. So, you know, for children to be learning while having a lot of fun, that is definitely the way forward in all things that they do, I think. But, you know, children like to move and they're happy when they're moving. But it's, we just have to get them moving. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Brilliant. Bring it down to my last couple of questions. I know you teach karate. Apart from the physical aspect, we talked a little bit about some of the other things that students can gain from taking part in activities and in movement. But let's talk specifically about karate. What are some of the, the great things that students can learn when they participate in something like a martial art? I think uh, the self-discipline. One thing I've really learned is that children respond well to discipline. So, you know, when we do a karate class, for example, we do a bow at the beginning, at the end of the class, and the children, you know, they stand in a line and they have to concentrate and focus and learn a lot of skills that are excellent for crossing the midline. They're using both sides of the body all the time. They have to have very good balance, which, of course, is excellent for children. They learn dynamic balance. They are having to learn directions. And I just really find that the stricter I am in my classes, the more the children respond. So, you know, having class management and being able to manage a group of children well, I think is key, especially when you're teaching movement. And this is an area that I really like to support teachers in because class management, you know, you get success if you manage the children well, use your voice well, demonstrate well, and, you know, also be very wise about choosing things like partners and just changing the dynamics of the class, doing an individual activity, a group activity, and karate enables all of that. And, you know, the children progress, there's a system of progression in karate, which really inspires them to keep on improving themselves. Yeah. So besides movement, karate is my other passion. So I'm getting people moving, they're healthy, they're loving what they do, and they love the progress they make. Yes. And I'm sure that from this podcast, you would have encouraged some teachers and obviously by extension, some children to get up and moving. I'm sure that I'm going to start to be a little bit more conscious about how much movements my own children get. How can people connect with you if they want to learn more about what you do at Move Kids? Yeah, so my website is movekids.com. And in fact, we were talking about indoor movement and there is a free resource I have there for parents and teachers. It's just a hopscotch layout. I don't know if you know what I mean by hopscotch. So two, one, two, one, two. And there's 10 really fun ideas you can do with a hopscotch layout. So that can be drawn with chalk or created with tape, but that's a free resource you can claim there. And of course, you can contact me on my site. So I have an option of Move Kids for home learning as well as for for kindergartens and also for special needs. So special needs is also a very important part of my life. I worked with special needs in Zimbabwe for 13 years And I piloted the program here in Finland with both special needs adults and children. And it was awesome. 
the progress they made, the smiles on their faces when they achieved. So I highly recommend the program for special needs as well. Brilliant. I think we'll have to get you back sometime to talk about how we can help our special needs students to move more and to feel more included when we have classes and structured activities for movement. Because a lot of times they're not as included as they should be. Darlene, thank you so much for being on the podcast. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Teach Middle East podcast. Visit our website, teachmiddleeast.com, and follow us on social media. The links are in the show notes.